Bienvenidos, mi amigas y amigos. And welcome to another edition of Swing Thoughts on Español. Me llamo a golf spiritual leader con uh, mi grande jefe, mi uh, hermano, mi guru, señor Tim O'Connor. Mucho gusto, my, my brother. Uh, gracias. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay, um, it's good to see you again, as always, my friend. Good to see you. I mean, interesting to be able to say that, knowing that you're thousands of miles away where it's warm and it's cold here, but loving this technology. Well, you know, it's interesting. Mexico, we, me and Guelph. Well, we've talked about this on the show before, but you were the guy. You were the early adopter. And, and before the pandemic, there was a moment in time when in the early days of Swing Thoughts, when we were recording in person, and it was a bit of a drag because, you know, I had a... Of us first a studio that we used that was a few blocks from my house and then i had a studio in my house and you were kind of trekking in from guelph and it was you you were the early adopter of we did it i think on on zoom first but before the pandemic i always credit you as somebody that the very first zoom meeting i was ever on was with uh, timothy o'connor uh, esquire Ah, cool. All right. Well, I'm standing on the shoulders of those who came before me. There you go. All right. Uh, nerds, <laughs> welcome, nerds. It's another. Well, this is our last uh, off-season episode. The yeah. next time we record will be the kickoff, I think, of season eight officially when we go back to doing it every week. And I'm excited about that. How How does that feel to you? Oh, I'm jazzed. I mean, for all kinds of reasons. I, we're going to have an exciting kickoff show of our official season with uh, David Ledbetter. That is so cool. Uh, it means, whoa, the Masters next week. Mm-hmm. It means very soon after, I will be hitting the golf ball off green grass. A lot of good things. <laughs> You know, it's funny. We've had a lot of big name guests on this show, but a lot of them are big names in the world that we occupy, the world of golf, you know, psychology and the mental side, the Carl Morrises, the Gabrielle Wolfs, you know, and then some of the big names like Sean Foley and Zokel. Zokel's coming back, which is cool. But for some reason, I don't know about you, but I've dropped Ledbetter's name a couple times to some guys down here, and their eyes just get wide. They're like, Ledbetter? Really? Mm. I'm like, oh, yes. Yep. Oh, yep. yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, the boy. Well, it speaks to, you know, it, it speaks to, I shall we say, the cachet of people who transcend kind of the, the normal thing. It's like, you know, Tiger transcended being an athlete, but Ledbetter transcends just being another guy in a range with his arms folded, watching someone hit golf balls. I mean, he is, you know, he's like a guru and he's, well, he's earned it. He was, sakes. well, I mean, he, he's not just like a guru. He was kind of the, in that first wave back yep. in the eighties where golf instructors went from people we'd never heard of to names like Ledbetter, Butch Harmon, Jim McLean, uh, Rick Smith was part of that wave. 
Uh, I know I'm leaving out a couple. I'm like, like they're Haney, Haney, right? Yeah. But prior to those Hardy. sort of, but prior to those four or five, there was guys like Toski. There were some people yep. that were sort of in the background. Jimmy Ballard was part of part of that early wave, but Ledbetter, probably even more than Butch. And in terms of, you know, because Butch became super famous because of Tiger. But 15 right. years earlier, Ledbetter became super famous because of Faldo. Yep, exactly. Um, we shouldn't draw a straight line. We shouldn't uh, get too far away before we um, acknowledge. You're going to love this. <laughs> yes. This program is brought to you by by TaylorMade Golf. TaylorMade looking good. There had a uh, couple of who was it on the Dell match play? It was Rory, yeah. Scheffler, yeah. Uh, both play two of the four finalists. Both all playing TaylorMade equipment. And uh, as always, we're jazzed to be part of the TaylorMade family once again in 2023. The season will again officially kick off in a couple weeks, but. Um, I'm excited. I get back uh, from Mexico on Saturday, April 1st, and I'm in TaylorMade on Monday, April 3rd, picking up my uh, new driver and three-wood and getting a couple other things tweaked and uh, picking up my first new putter in uh, three or four years. I can't remember. You've told me. Do you have the new putter? Uh, Spider GTX. I do. Is it the one that's got the uh, movable weights on the bottom or the the, uh, adjustable weights? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, I just, I never change. Once I get the driver <laughs> okay. from the guy who fit me, I never look at the bottom of it. It's just, do, you, do you know what color it is? <laughs> well, are you making reference that I'm colorblind? No, no, no. I just think it's awareness. Well, no, I just, uh, it's uh, black. Dude, I, I would, is that no, a color? I wouldn't know either normally because I'm not much of a gearhead, but I, I do recall talking to these guys. I said, Howard, this incarnation of the spider is more adjustable and i'm like good i need that i guess anyway. you see i don't i never i've never i've since what was the earliest driver move i think it was the r7 from TaylorMade. that's mm-hmm. like 20 years ago i've never moved any of that stuff not once you know by the way i have never moved it but i've had like when when our buddy Stu banning was a TaylorMade. i remember being on the golf course with him once and he didn't like the way my ball was launching he said give me that and he took it and he made a bunch of adjustments and everything was fine um anyway TaylorMade, of course our longtime sponsor we're thrilled to have them back and uh starting next week we'll tell you more about our newest sponsor who is oscar bravo go check that out uh very mysterious but very very unique and high-end high-end golf attire you will be one of the few people at your uh golf course that are uh rocking the uh the new oscar bravo line uh, a couple other things uh, housekeeping to get through this is by the way just going to be timmy and i we've got no guests today we just want to kind of finish off the off season and get you ready for our new season for a few years now you've heard us mention tim's uh course I don't know what a better word for that. Uh, your sessions that you do called Quiet Mind Golf. Yep. Yeah. And Tim will be starting up again this spring with Nate Robinson to offer uh, a group of golfers a unique experience over the course of the season. Maybe you can pick it up from there. What Are, are people yeah, registering we're, um, now? We're going to tweak it. Yeah, we're going to start it in uh, probably mid-May or so. That's kind of when we get over the hump in southern Ontario. 
and, and finally kind of this, this, you know, being what is it spring? Is it winter? <laughs> So it finally jumps into into but, sort of but let me just jump in. Life. It's funny. Let me just jump in. You know what I call April in Ontario? The big lie. Because it is a big lie. You're like, oh, it's just, winter's over. No, it's not. It still sucks and it's cold. <laughs> no, it's April not. showers. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're we're gonna tweak the, sh- the the program a little bit this year. But what it offers is a season long program, and uh, in, in which you can work with. Uh, Nate and I with coaches, but also be in like a community of other golfers where you can share your experiences, uh, the things that are going on for you, what you're working on, what you've discovered, what you're still frustrated by. And to me, that is one of the key pieces of it is that. You know, you know when you finish a round of golf in the morning and, and it just didn't go very well, and you you go into the in the bistro, or the grill room, and how'd it go? And and uh, you say, oh, I had three three putts on the back, <laughs> the back, and yeah, it's you know whatever, you know. But on the way home, you beat the living crap out of yourself. Oh, how come I suck? <laughs> how come I'll continue to suck forever more, despite all the work I've done, etc. So what our group does is helps you. You will work on those things that are keeping you stuck. And that could be some mechanics. It could be a strategy, a mindset, but also gives you a, a place to, to share those experiences. And quite honestly, um, I find that that is a key part of that experience where people can come and talk about the real stuff that happens for them. And uh, the, we had, it was four guys last year. And I'll tell you, Howard, that was the thing that they enjoyed the most was that ability to come together as a group, whether it be online or in person and talk about the stuff that went on with their game and how they felt about it, the things that they were talking about, the things that kept them up at night and just being able to share that. Unbelievable how so how it sounds were like- able to. I'm sorry, I finished your sentence because I was going to jump no, in I'm, with the I'm question. Done. Well, I was going to say, it sounds to me like you've combined your sort of Tuesday group from last winter, which was sort of a, a group of people just kind of, you know, sharing some of the, the I was going to say, the, the things that a lot of guys don't like to talk about, was like, which is like how we really feel about the game. And, you know, that's sort yeah. of been the cornerstone of this show for eight years, which is, you know, sometimes the raw sharing of how golf can drive you know, us crazy, me especially, obviously. But oh, um, yeah. but just to be My clear, hands up, me too. <laughs> just to be clear, there this there the the program you and Nate ran last year is a paid program. It's not. It's Absolutely. it's so. Yep. And for more information, it's really a great. I mean, I've I've dropped in on a couple of sessions and always enjoy meeting your group. There, obviously, a lot of them are um, swing thought listeners. And so Nate's the best, you're the greatest, and it'll be a lot of fun for people. But there's an, I just didn't want it, it to seem like it was just like, hey, was this going to get together with this group and just talk? No, there, no. There, it's a, the core thing to, to understand about it, it's a season-long program yes. uh, where you're constantly getting feedback and you're working on things. Is what holds people back is, is um, a lack of what we call integration. So, you know, you take, say, you know, you take a lesson – and then, and then you start working on it, but then you get distracted and you start doing something else. So you kind of forget what you were working on. So you don't integrate what's going on. The way that anyone gets better at anything is by doing 
many of the same things over and over again, mm-hmm. getting feedback, whether it be from ball flight or from someone watching or from data. And and so that's what this program uh, delivers. Yeah. Is, and, and, is and, I was going to say, and it's, I think it's well worth what you guys are charging because it's, like I say, it's a, it's months long, not just instruction. Yeah, through the season. Yeah, months Absolutely. long instruction, but also a chance to have a sounding board like Tim and Nate. And uh, I highly recommend it to people. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, for more information, how do people sign up and shit? Uh, look on o- O'ConnorGolf.ca. Um, there'll be more information coming up there shortly about this year. There's last year's program is up there. We're still tweaking some little bits of it, including uh, how often we're going to meet. So, you know, we're, it's, we're still working that stuff out. But you can get a general drift of it, certainly, from both uh, my website, O'ConnorGolf.ca, and my substack stack, uh, com. Okay. I want to uh, come back in a minute to something you said about integration because it's what I want to discuss sort of my main takeaway from this winter and and I would just say as a bit of a tease this is the most I've ever played golf or worked in such a joyous manner you know I love that people I was working on my game I'm not working on anything it's literally my favorite thing to do Love so, it. Love so I'm that. Not, I'm not working on nothing. I am literally trying to solve this Rubik's Cube that seems unsolvable, but every once in a while, they all the colors kind of line up. But I want to come back to it because this last, well, basically since November, because when the season ended in Toronto, you know, I spent part of November here until I got sick. And then I've been in Mexico now for almost two months. So I've had a chance to kind of put to test some of the things I've worked on. But I want to get back to that in a second. Um, A couple of things. Speaking of quiet mind, we've mentioned this a few times on the program that Tim is working on another book. It's called Quiet Mind Golf. Yep. And uh, Tim was uh, generous enough to share some of the early chapters, bits and pieces uh, of his manuscript with me. And if I were a really good friend, I would have been less lazy and written you my thoughts. <laughs> but I can just tell everyone it's uh, everything you'd expect from a very fine writer. And by the way, Golf Ontario Hall of Fame recipients. <laughs> hey, this, is, this is somebody that's in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, he's not screwing around. He's not just tickety-tackety. Ooh, who's got a Substack? Everyone's got a Substack. Substack is a new podcast. But Tim's a fine writer. You know, everyone, every freaking comedian I've ever known. Now, I'm Howard. Can you promote my podcast? No. Um, but I will tell you this. Uh, having read some of your other work, the actual books that you've published, including uh, Moe's book, it's really, really good, Tim. And I oh, think thanks. it will... I think it's going to help a lot of people. It's an easy read, just like you're an easy hang. And uh, I don't want to get too much detail, but I read the six or seven chapter bits that you sent me, and it all makes so much sense. And I get a lot of it is stuff that listeners will be familiar with from this program. But it's uh, it's great. When just a couple quick ones though, like when how does it work? Like you you've you're self publishing this? Or, I probably will self publish it. Um, so I'm still like this morning, I worked on it for two hours. Um, there's still 
uh, trying to fin- finish up some drafts, but I would say that I'm about 85% of the way there uh, to having it in a, finally in a, in a form where it's, it's edited and I'm, I'm confident enough to share it with a few people. Uh, there's a, a, a core person who I'm going to work with um, on it. And so um, yeah, I mean, some people said to me, uh, well, gosh, you're established, right? Why didn't you take it to a publisher? You know what? I just wanted to get it. I, I Something just drove me to get this thing done and get going. Because if you have a publisher, you're working with the editor. And it's, I just wanted to just do it and, and get it done. So I'll self-publish. If someone else gets interested and wants to publish it later, great. So I don't know. So uh, I happy. guess my second, well, the follow-up would be, okay, great. If you're 85% of the way there. And again, the stuff that I saw seemed... Yeah, I, I, there were. It was funny because I'm such an obsessive. I saw a few typos, and I'm like, "Am I allowed to have shown the typo?" But um, as far well, as my, my perfectionist, the perfectionist, we started to squirm. Oh yeah, started to get it, starting to sweat now. So, um, but but as far as the th- ideas and the thoughts and the and the the the, uh, the take, they're very, it seems all fully formed. So, when does uh, when would we be able to uh, see a copy of this thing? Golly, I would say. I'm, I'm going to say maybe summer. Okay. How's that? Fantastic. I was hoping earlier, but man, it's like, it's like, it's like the rule of, of doing stuff. You know, if you're going to renovate your bathroom, whatever time you think it's going to take, well, just triple it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, just the way it rolls. Well, when it comes out, I, I want everyone, all of our uh, ST nerds, the STDs to uh, have a look at it. Cause it's really fine work. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, I hate when people say, I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm really proud of you. But yeah, it's cool, man. And uh, again, lots of stuff. Not, it's not going to, you know, what I like about it is it's not like, oh, Tim's discovered the secret. It's just lots of stuff I uh, put down on into, into some great, you know, stories and thoughts about the things that, again, we've all talked a lot about here on the program. Now, you know, we've booked Ledbetter. Uh, I sent a note to Foley. I forgot to tell you this. I was corresponding with Sean Foley on another matter. I just sent him a note saying, hey, I saw you on Full Swing. You looked great. Very TV friendly. And he sort of laughed. I said, Tim and I have been great talking. glasses, eh? Yeah, no, he's, got how, great, how those, he's got great glasses. Specs. And he's got tattoos and shit. He's just cool. I know, he, but he's always been this vision of sartorial splendor. Oh, Even yeah. when like, he was at Glen Abbey, he's oh, yeah. always put together. He's like... Foley's not just a guy who gets dressed in the morning. No. He assembles an outfit. He is top to bottom. You know, he's created this oh, yeah. persona. Totally. Anyway, he wrote, I was pretty uh, happy because he got a huge following online, but he wrote me back almost instantly. He said, nice. He said, uh, thanks for the nice words. And, uh, and I wrote back quickly and said, hey, Tim and I are going to be booking you. Would you be back? And you, absolutely. So. Oh, great. The reason I mentioned that is uh, Swing Thoughts 2023 at our core, we're always going to try and bring people and ideas that eventually point back to the mental side of the game. You know, uh, the things I talk about, the people I associate with, you know, I'm on the phone with Fitzsimmons a couple of days ago. I was talking to my buddy Grant McDougall. And it always, our conversations generally are like you and me. They always head to or go around. How can we make the game, you know, more enjoyable, how can we get him? How can we have improvement without being, you know, without sacrificing, you know, the, the, the things in the game that we love. 
So why did I bring that up? Because you're going to hear some shows coming up that are obviously Ledbetter, Instruction, Foley, Instruction, Zokal, bit of Instruction, obviously some mind stuff. Sasho McKenzie. Sasho McKenzie. Yeah. And I guess this is all by way of trying to set up what I think I've figured out over this last winter that's different than any... Any experience I've had before, because I had a plan in November that I wanted to make some changes in my golf swing, knowing that I was going to be here for nine weeks. And I thought, okay, if you had that plan and you had the time to implement it, what could you achieve? And, you know, you and I have had so many conversations about ourselves and people that we know trying to fix their swing trying to change their swing the internet is filled with people that want you to swing to a model to look a certain way and what i think i've discovered is that's it's not possible to make your golf swing look like rory mcelroy you know, Sean Casey was on our show a few months ago after he'd seen me swing indoors and he said, it's the first time in 10 years that I saw an appreciable difference in how you were making this one move. And I was pretty happy with that. But then I get outside and of course, the nature of golf being my old swing traveled to Mexico with me. <laughs> it just jumped on it the just, damn It was plane. on the plane. I, I tried to stop it. I tried to lose it in traffic and it followed me. <laughs> And try as I might, you know, first of all, please jump in at any point. Because this, this, this thing that I'm going to talk about is what I wanted to talk to you about on the show. So please put your hand up because if not, this is going to be a very long monologue. So the first month I was in Mexico, I videotaped my swing almost every other day. Like video after video after video to see if what I was doing was in reality feeling like I was what I thought I was doing. And all of it centered around two or three key points. My setup, and I mean my setup, like how I stand over the ball. You'd think after all this time I'd have that down. I didn't. So I made that, I'd made that a priority and a couple other things in my swing, but very, very rudimentary stuff. And then what I would do is I would video it every other day and see where I was versus what I thought I was doing. And little by little, on the other thing is, for almost the entire month of February, I didn't keep score. Hmm. Try that. Like, we talk about that. I, I know you and I have had that conversation, too. But I really, really wasn't interested in the score. And the reason I decided not to keep score was I didn't want my sort of in, innate you know, obsessiveness with the number to get in the way of me trying to integrate, that's what that word you talked about, is to integrate what I was working on into a game of golf. And I played, I don't know, I can't even tell you how many rounds I played or how many balls I hit in February, but I barely kept score. And then when I came to where I am now, which is another part of Mexico, I decided that because I was going to be playing in this little fun money, like a men's night, they have a men's night Wednesday and Saturday, Wednesday and Friday, Everyone keeps score. There's money in the pot. And then there's a sort of a smaller game on Tuesdays, kind of like our hustlers or your hustlers that like the group of the better guys get together with a bunch of Mexicans and even more money is put on the line. So everybody is keeping score. 
And then I thought, okay, well, that will be the next stage. Can I, under the pressure, and I say that in quotations, could I keep score now and still try and do these three fundamental things that I've been working on? So are you with me so far? Absolutely. So in the end, and I had this conversation with my buddy Grant yesterday, I said, what I've really learned the last couple of months, starting in November, sort of indoors and then coming here, what I've learned, well, that's the other the last thing I'll tell you is I went the entire month of March and didn't videotape my swing at all mm. until a week ago. And I thought, okay, because I, I will just say this before I tell you the punchline. This whole month I've been hitting it great. Okay. Like very, very, very good. Almost every day. I have had very few days when I wasn't on a pretty decent level of ball striking. And that's why a few days ago, maybe last week, I said, okay, I'm going to tape my swing to see if anything is. And you know what? Did it look like the great swing that Sean Casey saw indoors? No, it didn't. But enough, enough, just a couple percentages of what I've been working on, I could see it in my swing. I could see that I was, I don't want to get technical, but I could just see it. And it, and it was like, with a takeaway, and I said to Grant, what I've learned through this is, I'm never going to have the model of my swing look like anyone else. And this is the part you're going to love. But I feel, for almost the first time, and he, he thought this was weird, but I said, I feel like for the first time, uh, in a long, well, almost ever, I feel like I, I own my swing now. I know what mm-hmm. I need to do. I know what it feels like enough times o- over enough rounds that I'm going to hit it pretty good if I do these things. And these things have become more natural to me. There's my statement. I'll take questions now from the press. I know that was a lot, oh, but I'm, I'm going to tell you that. But I, I think that the whole aspect of owning your swing, mm-hmm. it's not Rory's swing. It's not a swing that you saw on YouTube that you apparently thought you're supposed to do. It's Howard Glassman's swing. That's, that's it right there. That's, and that's all you'll ever own. Yeah, exactly. Is, I love it. Because you, you like it's what do they say about oh I want to be someone else well everyone else is taken <laughs> <laughs> there's only me and 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 I got to be okay with me you know I started that with all kinds of coaching clients it's sort of in, particularly the the life coaching stuff so the golfers that come to me it's like they, they it, it it ends up being life coaching it says you got to be okay with you. With who you are and your experience. And the more you have direct experience, so not thinking, feeling, being okay, it's more you start to have become more appreciative of what you can do, and thus you start to experience at a deeper level, and thus you own it. And so I love where you're going with that. Did that make any sense? No, and it's funny because you and I, again, how we came together years ago was we both recognized this kind of you through golf writing and me through being, you know, a complete obsessive a-hole. You know, going from tip to tip to tip. And I'm not saying like, listen, there will be, I'm going to be tweaking these things as they go along. But what I learned over these months, and it's been months now, 
And that's what made me think when you said about integration. Because mm-hmm. it started in golf lab in my house. Then I took it to an indoor range over at Casey's. Then I started take I the first day I played, January 29th, in Mexico, I videotaped my swing because I wanted to see, did it look the same on grass as it did in my bedroom? And then I took it to the golf course, not keeping score. Then I started keeping score. All of that took months. And in the end, what I found was, yeah, sometimes I'll see a YouTube thing and I should maybe get my backswing higher and I should do this. But the three things, and it doesn't even matter what they are, but the, one of the main ones was where I, how I set up, I'd always tended to, here's just give you one example. I'd always tended to set up with my weight, maybe too far back, you know, not completely in a ready athletic position. And I said, well, that's, I can change that. I mean, I'm, it doesn't matter if you're 63 or 13, you can make your setup better, but you got to do it every time. So I made that one of the things I looked at on video. Without an instructor, I just went, okay, do you look in, like you're in an athletic setup? And then I just took it from there so that, you know, I played yesterday and I can, uh, I had a couple of quick stories later about, you know, me getting close to melting down in Spanish, which is really cool because I've learned to swear in Spanish. I've learned golf expressions in Spanish and, um, but, but the meltdown in in, in, in the Mexican mindset. Oh yeah! Wow. No, Senor Howard, they, they can't. Mexicans can't say my the H in my name or the D, so they call me Hour. Senor Hour is mucho caliente, you know. Um, but I can tell you that every day I go to the golf course, I now make sure that when I start hitting balls, I'm in a correct setup. My foundation is good. Let me just put a pin in this for a second. I asked this to Grant yesterday. I'm going to ask this to you and our listeners. When we're all watching pro golfers hit golf, you know, hit a shot on Sunday and you think, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you the question I ask myself and Grant. Why, Why do you think they all mainly flush the ball mainly most of the time? Why do you think that is? I think it's because they're starting from a place of trust. They're starting from a place of, I'm, I'm okay as a human being. I'm certainly okay as a golfer. Let it go. Okay, I'll it's, accept that answer as a secondary because I disagree. They're starting from a place of they have worked a billion hours. Yes, there's that on having a great foundation. Because I was watching Sam Burns the other day, and I'm thinking to myself, how is it that every time he gets up? just occurred to me out of the blue that he just rips that driver. I think I said to myself, I think most people think it's because he's so much more gifted than the rest of us. But I know guys that I know guys at my level, Lars Melander, Dave Bunker that seem to always hit it pretty good. And then I think, what do those guys have in common? Sure. They trust their swing, but where the trust comes from is they're standing in an athletic position in a found in a foundation. Yeah. So why I used to have rounds, like a lot of people, where the more I'd have a good few days of hitting it, I might have a good few holes of hitting it, and all of a sudden lose it. And a lot of it has to do, and I can see it now because I haven't become more, I hate that word, consistent, but I have become more predictable. Awesome. And, well, it, and it's predictability yeah. based on just a couple of little fundamentals that are that are that I saw were getting in the way of me, and I don't make. By the way, doesn't I don't doesn't mean I make great swing after great swing, but day after day I'm making great swings in those days. 
with not much thinking about it. Yeah. And, and I think finally I'll say that that's what this winter has been for me for the first time where I'm, I'm going into the golf season no longer trying to put myself up against a model that I think is unattainable. I'm putting myself up against a model which happens to be me. Yeah. Which I think Love for it. a lot of people would be a lot easier to maintain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you, we, we can't be anybody else. I made that point already. But if there's a model that I have, that's a concept. And I'm either going to match the model or I'm not going to match the model. So what do I do? I judge it. And so that becomes thinking. And the point that I want to make is that the whole element of trust is not necessary. Yeah, there's a, a mental component to that. But to me, when I'm in a place of trust, I feel good in my body. I'm ready to move. There's a sense I can have a sense of flow. To me, it's a more physical sensation than it is a mental construct. I am going to trust my swing. I don't think they do. I think that 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 they're at such a high level, like you're talking like Formula One cars tuned, you know, as you said, you know, with these guys that hit a bazillion golf balls, had all kinds of feedback. They feel good in their body. So to bring it to what you're talking about, sort of setup, they've established themselves in such a way and they've they've been through they've millions of repetitions that they're in now in such a place that their body is able to just set itself up and move in a way that that it's 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 more instinctual to bring it back to than than it is any kind of a a, a thing that they have to think their way through something. I, I would agree. I Does think that make it, any sense? Yeah, no, I I, I was going to say I agree because I think with yes, we're talking about the the elite of the elite of the elite, such a, a fine sliver. Uh, but what it becomes for those guys and better players that I've named again, guys that I compete against at the senior level. What it comes is, it comes from a place of they are comfortable, you know, in, in whatever they've decided, that's how they swing it. Like, you know, and there's a guy that listens to our show, and we've mentioned him a couple times, Rudra. And I'm going to mention Rudra, because Rudra's, I don't know what he is, an 8, a 9, 10, whatever he is, but I've played enough with him. And the reason I mention him is, Rudra's not trying to swing like anybody else. And Rudra's swing, is, he sort of hits this baby cut that it ne- he never hits it left. And I don't see Rudra, you know, going for a lot of lessons. And Rudra's not searching for a better motion because the motion he has produces the kind of golf that he enjoys. And, and I think about him the last time I was... We, just before I left in January, he and I went for an indoor session. Then we went out for dinner. And, and I thought to myself, you know, watching him hit balls that day, he's, he, yes, he wants to hit it well, but he's not, again, searching at whatever age he is for a swing that's unattainable. And, and I know it sounds, because Grant said, well, you, gee, you've never felt like this before. I said, not in the way that I do now, which is, you know, I've watched so much, and it makes you puke sometimes, but I've watched so much of my swing on video if i was not you know i was a little less lazy it would be interesting i think for people to see the first swing i made in mexico and the swing i made last week and it's not that they don't look similar but there are some subtle things that i was looking for that i could see i've made that change 
And that's all I wanted to do. Now, I didn't send any swings to Casey because I'm not snapping my left leg straight. I just don't have, I'm never going to be able to do that to the degree that I was doing it that one day that Sean saw me. And that's what I'll say about indoor golf. It allowed, it's a false it's good, but it's kind of a false positive because once you've got to, uh, you know, hit a ball on grass, you are going to go back to your default way of making contact. Yeah. But I decided, and this is a big revelation for me, I've decided to give up putting my swing up against other people's swings. There are elements I, I can learn, but I know now I have enough evidence to have seen what it looks like and feels like when I'm hitting it good, which I think for a lot of people is when I would recommend just a final takeaway from me is I made notes about what I was feeling all the way, all along the way, not a lot, but just here's what it felt like today in relationship to what I'm trying to do. You're talking about physical sensations when you're talking about feelings, feelings, like how I felt in my body, what was producing that shot. Mm hmm. You know, I'll tell you one quick one. It's funny. I remember being at the uh, Ontario Senior Am in Kingston a couple of years ago. And after the first round, I kind of struggled. And I, I was, I thought it was nerves. And this has happened to me several times in competition where all of a sudden I can't get my short irons airborne. They all go low. And, you know, I thought it was like I'm being nervous and holding on and sliding and all this other shit. And I remember calling Henrik like in a panic, calling him after the round going, I got to get these balls up in the air. So fast forward to the last couple of months and what he and I decided, and I was talking to him about this. He said, when I look at, I sent him some video. He said, when I look at your swing, it just doesn't seem like you're, you're over your toes. And that's just a little thing, like almost like feeling a little lower physically. Well, all of a sudden now, I mean, to me, it feels like I'm, crunched way down but you know what's happening now my my club bottoms out at the right spot the ball goes up in the air so it really wasn't nerves it was just under pressure i kept standing up more and more and more so back to the foundation so i've decided that a foundation for me is making sure i'm in a good setup that allows me to bottom out the club the right way and then you know what timmy i never have to think about it that's awesome that that is just awesome um yeah, the, the not having to think. What a wonderful thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yep. Not having to think. I mean, because, you know, thinking is, is usually worrying or ruminating, regretting, whatever. It's, but, but when I'm not thinking, I'm, I'm just here in this space. And, and particularly in golf, you know, it's people talk about the mental game, but it's actually it's a physical game. It's about. It's about allowing your body to move in a physical way. Yes, your brain guides all of this, but it's physical too because it's interacting with the environment. That's why, just real quick, that's why um, indoor golf is is amazing in so many ways, but it's a completely different animal when you're outside in the world dealing with real trees, real grass, a different lie. All, that is just a different experience as a human. There's all kinds of different things that are going on uh, in your sensations and all of that. But the key point I want to make is that when you're in your body feeling the scent, that's why I asked about feelings. Did you mean I feel sad? No, what I feel in my glutes and my feet, 
the muscles, all that kind of stuff. Now you're really cooking with gas when it comes to golf because you can get deeper into your own experience rather than thinking about this model you're supposed to meet, which is basically a fucking concept. Well, and, and it's a concept that to for my you know aging body is as flexible as you and I still are. You know, we're in our we're gents in our sixties, and I ain't never going to make that full turn that Rory makes. But that's why I'm, I'm glad you see when I wrote down the things that I was feeling, they were all physical cues and exactly. they weren't swing tips. They were just reminders of here's a great example. Joe Parent was one of our early guests. Dr. Joe was a uh, BJ Sings mental yeah. guide for 10 years, wrote a book called Zen Golf or Zen in the Art of Golf. Zen Golf. Yeah. Zen Golf. And one of the things he said, and I've never forgotten this, and it, it, it's a great addendum to what you just said. When you've got a, a, an uphill lie, the ball's above your feet, and you think the club you're supposed to hit is a seven iron, and you get over the ball, but, you know, it doesn't really feel right. The club, the ball's close, right away, you, you sense of, I mean, your body, the ball's a little closer, but you think, ah, f- you know, screw it, I'll just hit it anyway. Yeah. Um, now, we've used that example many times. Golfers do it all through the rounds. They hit a lot of anyway shots. And what Joe said to us that day is, you need to step away, change to a six iron, then take practice swings with the six iron, and then go back to the ball. But, but that example also resonates for me now because that lie I just described used to just, I used to just be shitty at it. Because again, I'm not in a physical ready motion. But now because one of the things, my three things to foundations was to get in a good setup. And that means squatting down, feeling it in my, my quads, a little bit of my glutes. To me, my swing looks more squatted than it ever has. But those lies now, I have no problem with them because I'm, because physically I'm closer to the ground and closer to the ball. So back to my thing, I don't have to think about it. I go, okay, are you set up correctly? Well, then just go ahead and swing. Yeah, love love that. And here's here's where, where I go with that is that what in essence you're doing is if you're standing over the ball and you feel uncomfortable. Yes. What's happening is, is your body's sending you signals, and we have to be wise enough to listen to what our body's telling us because our body is in the present moment. It is. It doesn't time travel. So what I'm saying is that when we're thinking, we're either in the future. Most of the time we're in the past about what we're supposed to do. What's the thing you're supposed to do when you got an uphill lie? Think back to that, all that stuff. That is not going to serve us. Your body is freaking brilliant. And when it's in the present moment and it's saying some signals, think, abort mission, (laughs) step back and listen to what your body is telling you. And so it might be you had a set, like you said, you had a seven iron out. You take the six. You take some practice swings. What's the feedback I'm getting from my body? Okay. Because it's a different deal, obviously, with the six than the seven. So you've got to kind of reprogram it. But it's allowing that body to to take that experience and, and draw on its wisdom. Because that's... That's the thing that makes this game is the is the the brilliant interplay of how our brain interprets things and the signals it sends through to the body. It ain't the thinking part. You know, that's, that's, I love what you just said, because it applies to so many parts of the game. And, you know, I don't I listen back to this and I, I you know, some people might think I'm up my ass here, but I'll give you a perfect example because they'll think, well, you're just talking about swing tips. I'm not. 
here's a perfect example of a, of a golf fundamental. And I, I gave this lesson to a couple of my buddies here that I, that were pretty decent players, but having trouble in the sand. And I said, guys, there's just a couple things you need to know. One is you need to squat lower, like really squat down and keep your hands low. So let's just accept that those two things are true because those two things will get you lower than the sand. So at the very least, if you make a swing, that club's going to go underneath the ball. So very basic. So let's get back to your example of listening to your body. Now, if you're nervous, you've got a shot in the sand, you know, it's a tight plan or whatever, whatever is making you nervous. You're in the future or the past. What did I do last time? Or I don't want to be embarrassed or this is a really tough shot. You're thinking a lot of things. So what you may not be doing is feeling your body squatting down because that's present tense shit right there. So you look at those guys on TV. They're always... You know, in the sand, they're, they're maneuvering their body through a billion repetitions to the place where they know, okay, I'm ready for takeoff. And until they are set in their body, that's what makes them look so confident because they've made the physical presence tense adjustments, open the yeah. club face, lower your hands, then just go ahead and swing. And, you know, a couple of the one guy in particular that was having a lot of trouble out of the sand, he was playing with me. And every time he would splash it out, he would yell, that's my boy. That's my teacher. He told, it's, it's literally I just got him two little adjustments. But yeah. that's a physical. Those are a physical recognition that you need to do something in your body in that moment that will lead to, as you say, sort of a freer you know, you're no longer, th- I'm, I don't, I don't really think about it. I just make sure that, cause I'll tell you, the only times I hit poorer sand shots is when I'm, I feel somewhere, maybe I'm not positioned correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's so cool is, 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 um, you may find it odd, but we talked earlier in the show about this being, we were talking about the mental game. I don't think golf is a mental game. It's more of an awareness game. Mm-hmm. And so where am I paying attention? And if I'm paying attention to my body, that's a better place than, than to be thinking all this stuff. That's when we're stuck in our heads. And in fact, we're disconnected from what we're actually feeling. The, the brain can only pay attention to mind can only pay attention to one thing at a time. And so if I'm thinking anything, you know, do this with my grip, take it back slow, all that stuff, I have no, I don't have no awareness or connection to what my body is doing. And it's interesting because after eight years, it's like we've kind of gone down a couple of different paths and come back where I think golf shows up and we can maybe move on from this. Thanks for indulging me. Where I think golf shows up. This has been amazing. I think golf shows up as a mental quote unquote game or a decade strategy style or a quiet mind state management aspect. And there's a bunch of different prongs of the same, you know, on the same path. But so (laughs) this golf course I've been playing out of, it's called Malenkeen club to golf to Malenkeen. And it's a very unique play, a bunch of expats, a bunch of Americans, a bunch of Canadians. There's 40 or 45 guys I play with Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So the Tuesday game is the smaller game. And sometimes there's six, sometimes there's 10, but last Tuesday, three days ago, two days ago, there were six of us. So in any other golf course, you're playing in two threesomes. But the guy that organized it, I said, "Who? his name is Rick. I say, hey, Rick, uh, what are we going to do today? He says, Just hang on a second. Let me go talk to Antonio. That's a true story. We went out in a sixth them. 
Love it. <laughs> so Love it. there's six guys and six caddies, and we played this course in four hours and 15 minutes. There was one twosome we let through on about the seventh hole, but the rest of the time it was just us cruising around. Love it. And it was, so that was part of what I loved. It's like, this is what it's like down here. You want to play in a sixum? Go ahead. Um, I've played in several fivesomes here, but never a sixum. So here's where golf is a mental game. It was my first time playing with sort of the other really good guy who plays here. Most of the guys I play with are, I'd say, sort of averaging in the, you know, the lower handicap guys are like eight nines. Most are 15s and 14s. And some of the older guys are 18s. And they're all great guys. And they love the game. And everyone plays off a handicap. But this was a group of guys. And the other really good player, he's like a four or five handicap. Great golfer. Got a handle, one of those weird, funny handlebar mustaches. Is really a character. And like with my, the wax? With the wax. Like, great guy. And uh, we'd seen each other on the range. We were sort of kidding around. You know, I could tell. One day he was telling a story about losing his niner. And I didn't know him at the time. And he turned around and said hi to me. And I said, listen, I don't know you, but I know two things about you. And he said, what's that? I said, you have no nine iron and you have a great golf swing. And he laughed. So it's my first time playing with him. So part of me, this is the mental part. Part of me is like, oh, well, I'm going to you know, show this guy. I can play a little bit of golf, you know. So I triple bogey the first hole we play. The first golf hole I play with this guy, I make a seven. And... I make the seven because I had, I had, it's a long, it was a long hole. It's I take that back. It is a mental game. <laughs> 460 yard par four. And there is OB literally five yards from the green. And I, I, <laughs> I hit an OB, made a seven. And, you know, again, part of my head's like, oh, I'm going to show this guy. When at least he's my mind, I'm bullshit, right? And I make a seven and uh, I walk to the next hole and I birdie three of the next five holes. That's the mental side of golf. Because, yeah, I was all in my head going, well, that sucked, made seven, you know, blah, blah, blah. But a part of me was like, you know, I've made a seven before. Let's just keep going and see what happens. And, you know, luck would have it. You know, I went birdie, birdie, par, bogey, birdie. Anyway, we're finished around. We both shoot the same score that day. We both shoot 76. It's a very difficult golf course. I'm just going to say that. It's one of the one of the toughest courses I've played over and over and over again. You know the 12th hole at Greystone, how it kind of banks front to back, and if you hit the wrong spot and the ball yep. sucks off the green? There are 14 greens like that. So <laughs> if you hit the middle of the fairway, it doesn't matter. I've had 140 yards from the green here many times and made double. So we both shoot 76, and at the end of the round, you know, I'm telling him how great I was to play with him, and he said uh, something nice to me. He said something like, uh, I could tell you were a good player. And I said, well, thanks. And he said, because when you made that seven, you didn't, it didn't look like you, I wouldn't have known if you'd made seven or three. And that is, that's what I've practiced for eight years on this show that I, I left that green and I, and I, yeah, inside I was like, well, that sucked, you know? Yeah. Inside I was being like, this is what do I have to start with the seven? But by the time I got to the next tee, I was like, all right, well, let's, let's see what can happen. Right. Um, and that's the golf. That's the side of golf that I think is the mental game, the state oh, management. Absolutely, and and that's what I was thinking about. So, did you watch um, the match play, both the semifinal and, and the final? Yep. Well, uh, so um, we're watching the last couple of holes of uh, of of uh, Rory's match 
against uh, Young. And so, you know, they go to extra holes. Scheffler goes to extra holes with Burns. And, you know, as Golf Digest put it, you know, they're like, you know, if the stars align, mm-hmm. it'll be Rory and Scotty in the final. Oh, NBC was better. crossing their fingers. Oh, every, you know, absolutely. But we were talking, I think we were talking about this before the show is, is so, you know, Rory, I think, was two up. He ends up losing extra holes, but he still was able to bring it in the consolation. Oh, yeah. You know, and f- full marks to him. And, and, but you had to know how exhausted they were. But in terms of what exactly you're talking about, is that, yes, this sucks, but still able to bring it and be present and give whatever he had left. You know, to and just allow it to happen, because if 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 you went to that next second tee with oh really triple come on that's that's not the way and what's this guy going to think mm-hmm. or Rory go oh that sucks I I just want to go home <laughs> and, and I want to see Poppy and that just I was too up really um, that's the mental game that in is. so many aspects is is resilience acceptance just and just being able to, to bring what you got but you and and we're going to wrap up soon but i would tell you one of the things again not just learned from this show but one of the things i learned that brought us together and i have gotten better at over time and it's a practice just like oh. you have to practice your short game or you practice meditation what i have done Again, kept no score for February, so there was no consequences. I've kept score every round this month. And most of those rounds have been for some kind of money. Um, and I've had some decent rounds. I've had, a, you know, I've shot two under par here, and I've shot 86 here. What I, what I, what I did that day with that, in that group of guys is I practiced not giving up. Because it's a practice. Because I'll tell you, from a guy that was the champion suck powder sniveling a-hole, Hall of Fame club thrower, played nine holes in the club championship and went home guy, (laughs) from being that guy to somebody that can walk off a triple and kind of go, okay, inside, I'm not going to lie, it sucked. But the practice of not giving up is something that, that's the scar tissue you need to build up. You know, it's so easy it's, it's, you know what, it's, you know, it's at some point I was thinking, well, maybe my elbow hurts. I should just, <laughs> I, should just <laughs> I should just go home. Yeah. Well, you know what? So we mentioned uh, uh, a long time ago in this podcast uh, about integration. Yes. And so what you're talking about is integration. So I'll bring it to a certain level. So in meditation, the most common one is focus on breath. Yes. So what happens is I'm, I'm focused on breath. Next thing you know, I'm thinking, I've sent an email. Okay. I'm back to breath. Um, and then, and then I'm, and, and next thing you know, I'm thinking about, um, what are we going to have for dinner? Uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth. That is integration. It's just practicing the skill of awareness. And what you're doing is practicing the skill of awareness around not giving up. So you've been through it. You've been through it. And you have had times where you gave up. Absolutely. And in, and in many ways, we're talking about recognizing our default. So in meditation, the default is to think because that's what we do. The default in certain ways is is my weight's not in the right place. For some reason, 
you know, you grew up and playing this game and your weight would go to the wrong place. So through the practice of being aware of your weight not being where you wanted to, you're starting to integrate this new way because we always fall back to the default. Always. Always go back to that. So how do you work with it and, and, and change it is being aware that you're doing it and just staying with it over and over and over and over again. Otherwise, unless you practice these things over and over again, you're always going to default back to that old way. And back to the idea and back to your, where, you know, we're talking about quiet mind golf. And um, one of the things you said when we were talking about your sessions is you're going to have your, your Tim's forming a group of people that are going to have some uh, accountability to one another on what we're all working on, or you guys are all working on physically and mentally, but in, in able to, in, in, or, and, and the thing about, you know, the, the thing about YouTube and Instagram and TikTok golf is it's very intoxicating because you see something like, oh, I should try that. I know I'm no different. That is a perfect <clears throat> word for that. That's a perfect word. What's that? Intoxicating. It's intoxicating. Oh, no, it's very, it's very intoxicating. You think, oh, I should just go and chase that. But the exactly. facts are, and again, having been a guy that's chased a lot of different things. Um, I, I didn't know what I was going to find when I started this in November. I thought I needed to make some swing changes. And I've made some, but not maybe what I thought I was going to start off doing. Like I was going to finally cure my, my problem. It's still there. I still slide more than maybe I should. But I have found a way where given certain parameters, I feel comfortable enough to make a pretty decent swing a pretty good amount of the time. Now, it doesn't look like that model I thought I should do, but I've just accepted, like, I may never get there. I'll give you a quick example. Last year, I was saying to my buddy Paul, I said, you know, I can't stop topping three woods off the fairway. Like, I'm literally, and I thought, well, you know, what am I doing? Is it my, I'm not able to, you know, post up. Really just came down to, I wasn't, I just didn't have enough weight over my feet. I was I was too tall over the ball. So naturally, as I went through it, I topped it. Like, I mean, dribbled down the fairway top. I get it, yeah. Yesterday, I had a three-wood off a, you know, kind of not a great lie. And I said to Paul, the, I was talking to him last night. I said, you know, it's funny. I got over that ball, and I felt like I was going to take a divot. That's what I feel like now when I'm over, like that I'm going to hit it, I'm going to hit down on it. But the, the reason I'm able to hit down on it, hit down on it, is, um, is because I'm, I'm more in my, I'm more into the ground. I'm more into my, my weights in a better spot. So I don't really have to think about it. Whereas before I'd been, I'd be worried that I might just capture the top of that ball, thin it or top it. Whereas now I was over that ball thinking, you know, the lies a bit tight, I'd better hit down more on it. And I, and then I did, I hit like a, it was cool. I just, I, I didn't, but that's not a, it wasn't a swing thing. It was like a physical thing. Yeah. But is it fair to say that you, in essence, discovered this in your own experience? Absolutely. Completely in so my it own. It wasn't yes. like, so this isn't to say you can't read, you can't learn stuff from a golf instruction book or by taking lessons or from YouTube. It's, 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 it's all good. But what the key thing is, is that do you are you having your own experience? And and, and the thing that this always sounds really out there and people go, yeah, right, is that everybody has a golf swing. Yep. Everybody has a swing. Your job, in essence, is to is to explore and find it. And that and there's certain things you can learn. 
from books and YouTube about, oh, oh, if I stand like this, stand like an athlete, and oh, that's kind of what it looks like. But at a certain point, that's why people plateau after about three years. They, they get introduced to golf, they fall in love with it, and they read books and take lessons. And then after about three years, they plateau. Because they're, they're, then it's about, oh, to get better, I need to look like this and do this. And there's parts of that. But mostly what I'm trying to make in my very long-winded way is, is when you start to ha- have your own experiences and going like, oh, I, when I felt I had my weight forward on that foot, then I made good contact. Wow, that is cool. And that's, the, that's how you discover your swing. And going back to those guys on TV, you know, they have been, you know, somebody early on. Yes, they have an incredible skill. I know. But but somebody early on, you know, made sure that, you know, you know, that their holding was good, that their standing was good. You know, as Nicholas said, I'm sure I've said this before, but in his book, Golf My Way, he says, you know, somewhere in the 90 to 95 percent of everything that happens in your golf swing takes place before you take the club back. So, you know, I don't know what I went searching for at the beginning of this, but I kind of ended up the last couple of weeks realizing that day after day after day. I've achieved, and that's not just on a good streak or oh, I've had a few rounds in a row. I've just achieved a level of setting myself up for for the for good ball striking yeah i mean you know do i still pull the odd one yes do i still flare neck flare something to the right yes but i can just tell you if i was able to graph the consistency if we want to use that word or predictability i'm not mm-hmm. looking up and being surprised a whole lot like i do a, a lot of my last few summers especially in tournament golf i've looked up and gone How, where is that coming from Exactly. Why? Why can't you just say why can't I do that in real game? Yeah. Well, because I was, as you said earlier, you know, not being aware of how my body felt in that moment, and it felt unbalanced. Because you know, as my buddy Henrik said the other day, because you know he's watched a few of these swings. He goes, you know, and he doesn't give compliments. By the way, that one thing about Paul. He's, I sent him that swing, that first video in a month, and he just said, you know, he said to me two things. He said, it looks completely different. Well done. Because he's watched me hit a thousand golf balls, more. And, uh, and I, was, I took that as a, a really nice thing because he's, he's seen the evolution of it, but it has nothing to do with technique and everything to do with sort of a, a different looking foundation. Yeah, it's just, it's... You, it's so right. I mean, one of the things that, you know, people might listen to me or read what I, the stuff I put out there and think, oh, this guy's, uh, you know, against mechanics, you know, and, and, and thus, you know, it's all about thinking the right thoughts, the right feelings. No, man, you have to have a good, solid foundation. If you don't have that foundation, well, good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that starts with basic stuff like, you know, posture. Uh, ball position, uh, alignment, uh, club face uh, direction, all of that stuff is fundamental. And you have to be aware of it. And you have to know, there's, it takes a degree of understanding yeah. that if the club face is pointed this way, that's where the ball is going to start. But if your body's pointed in a different direction, well, it's going to curve. And that comes from from experience. So you got to have that 
that that awareness of what your body's doing. Well, listen, my friend, uh, once again, uh, thanks for uh, your indulgence. I want everyone to uh, remember that Quiet Mind uh, sessions are going to be beginning in May. Uh, go to O'ConnorGolf, O'ConnorGolf.ca. And uh, Tim's, uh, all the links are there to his Substack, and uh, look for his uh, book, Quiet My Golf, coming up. Uh, this is the uh, 30th of March when we're recording this. The next uh, recording is going to be the 4th of April, which is going to be the Ledbetter Show, as it will be known. The, the Eve of the Masters. The Eve of the Masters. No, I think it's the following week, isn't nope. it? Uh, next week. No, this, uh, this next week is, uh, is Holy Week. <laughs> okay. That's, I, I maybe That's I'm, the... That's the mixture of uh, with, uh, us and a certain... Yeah, no, you're right. April, April 6th is the beginning. We're, we're taping it on the 4th, I thought. Or is it the 5th? No, we're taping it's it the on fifth. the 5th. You're right, the you're Wednesday, right. The, the Eve. Master's Eve. Uh, yeah, we can talk a little bit with Ledbetter about the uh, changes at Augusta. And uh, there's a great article. I think I'm not sure if you saw it in Golf Digest as well that explains... I haven't looked at it yet. I did see that it was there. It talks yeah. about the club expansion, how much money they're spending, and... What ungodly amount of money, amounts of money that club has. They just started buying up the neighborhood. It's pretty interesting. But if they if they put that local rule thing in, but the USGA and RNA is talking about, will they not have to build the golf course, make it longer? Just food for thought for another day. Yeah, I don't know about the I, I, I've had a lot of discussions about that, but I. Um, we're gonna so and don't forget uh, so Ledbetter's coming up um, and uh, next week I guess we'll have some announcements about our new sponsor yeah uh, who is Oscar Bravo go to who is Oscar Bravo dot com uh, as soon as I hit uh, stop here I'm going to put my equipment away I've been broadcasting the Humble and Fred show now remotely for two months and the day after tomorrow I get to go home and I'm going to miss lots of things about Mexico. But I, uh, before we got on our, sh- our call here today, I went and had um, breakfast. I had this beautiful spinach omelet with uh, home fried potatoes. I had, mm. two, I had two cups of coffee, and I picked up my laundry, and all of that, all of that cost me $16. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dear. And you spoke in Spanish in all, all your exchanges. <laughs> all those people. But I, I sort of thought to myself, I should tell O'Connor, like, it really is... Like, I, I, I have a washer-dryer in this uh, Airbnb that I have, but it's a combo, so it, it takes a long time to do it. So I just kind of looked up in the neighborhood. I thought, you know, I'm sure there's somebody. So I found a woman named Eva who uh, has no idea how to say my name. Every time it's different, she puts my name on it. This time it was uh, Harard. <laughs> anyway, and um, so I found her, and she basically does your laundry. It's a place where people can come and do their own laundry, and she does laundry. And I was like wondering how much it was. So I gave her a giant bag, all golf shorts and shirts and socks. And it was a hundred pesos, which is like $7. So I went, well, I'm never doing my laundry again. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, omelet, laundry, two cups of coffee for like 14, 15 bucks. It's crazy here. Um, Gotta love it. Listen, man, all the best to you as always. That was a fun episode, and uh, we hope everyone enjoyed it. And uh, pretty soon, the the official kickoff, the brand new season eight of Swing Thoughts. Our first guest, David Ledbetter. We'll see you all next week. As always, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Safe travels home, buddy. Thank you, my friend. Sound of the river, you're stopping your whole everything. 